Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Monday, February 24th, 2020. I am your host, Will Hunter, joined by my... Oh, I don't have one. How about, like, relaxed? I feel relaxed, like relaxed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I totally... I usually... Peel back the curtain here. I usually think of one ahead of time before I get going, and I totally forgot that I had to do it, and then I uh, drew a blank right there on yeah. the spot. It's just that kind of a weekend, though, you know? We're just yeah. kind of kicking back, yeah. relaxing. It, it's nice. Obviously, I love Michigan State athletics. Well, I got to say, it was nice. nice to have a weekend without Michigan State athletics. It was yes. a relaxing weekend, a calming weekend. <laughs> Um, it, it doesn't necessarily consume my life and, you know, makes or breaks an entire weekend, but it is nice to not have like a four hour window, we'll call it, where I'm just a anxious ball of dread, excitement, whatever the emotion is that day surrounding our Spartans. Uh, so yeah, it was a very, very nice weekend. Now I don't want it all the time, but it was just nice to have an MSU free weekend before we head into this gauntlet of a final month we have. Coming up for this basketball season. Agreed. I am joined by my relaxed co-host, Matt Sheehan. Hey, there we go. Nice. <laughs> How are you doing, Matt? Well, I'm relaxed. No, I'm, I'm good. Good. Fairly, uh, fairly boring weekend, which is nice. Um, yeah. Watched the heavyweight boxing match on Saturday night. That was interesting. It's not every day you get to see one man lick blood off another man's shoulder and then see an American pie after the fight. But hey... This weekend, it wasn't like any other weekend. I would love to be a Tyson Fury fan, mm-hmm. but I can't uh, can't move past the uh, terrible, awful things he said throughout his life. Unfortunately, he's just a monster. Great entertainer. Ooh, I've but... not looked into that, but that is going to be a Wikipedia search <laughs> I will do once I'm done recording. Okay, if well, you... <laughs> circle back to that one. <laughs> if you want to remain a fan of Tyson Fury... Mm-hmm. Um, do not Google his name in any sort of ism, uh, whether it be racism, sexism, ah, homophobia, uh-huh. anything like, don't do that. If you want to remain a fan. Um, yeah, I don't want to burst your bubble. I'm sorry. Wonderful entertainer. Certainly good. Good golly. Just huh. sell the hell out of a card. Um, yeah. Tough to uh, to get past that stuff. <laughs> okay, yeah, we might be circling back to that later and yeah, deleting okay. some tweets about how I'm a big fan of his now. <laughs> All right, listen, it's it's the combat game. Kind of anything flies there. Um, yeah, I don't I don't go to combat sports looking for my uh, moral figures. So, well, that's good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> at, at least you're level set on that. That's good to know. At yeah. least. certainly uh, an entertaining dude. But yikes, um, that's not what we're going to talk about today. No. All Although right. I would love to talk about uh, Dave Ayers, the dude who suited up for Carolina. It, did oh, you it's see the story that? Story of the year. Oh, oh my of god! Course. Incredible. It was big time. Um, yeah. Maybe we can find a segment on that later. Like how badly we would get just destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on today's show, we are going to talk about Michigan State basketball. Um, while the Spartans were off this weekend, the rest of the Big Ten wasn't, and some things happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk kind of about that and as it relates to Michigan State with the rest of the Big Ten season because we're we're like one game away from it being the most epic last two weeks of Big Ten basketball ever. Um, not sure yes. if we'll get there, but like we'll talk about that. Uh, we want to also talk about uh, how this Michigan State team compares to previous Michigan State teams in terms of adjusted efficiency and sort of what that means 
uh, as it relates to national championship aspirations, success in the NCAA tournament. So we'll talk about that. Then we're going to switch gears to football, Matt. Football. We're going to talk about recruiting. Um, I've noticed something, and maybe you have too, about the Mel Tucker recruiting, um, how do I say this, uh, tactics, strategy, mm-hmm. what's what's going on. So I want to talk about that. And we also have to take credit for Darian Harris getting a job <laughs> on the support staff. That was really cool. Um, we talked about Harlan Barnett, right? I, I There were so many yes, moves did. that I just lost track of time. We, I am almost positive talking about Harlan yeah, Barnett. Yeah, because we did the whole bang stick thing. The um, bang stick, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Uh, but Ted Gilmore, officially part of the staff, Wisconsin receiver coach, passing game coordinator, tight ends coach, now at Michigan State. So we'll talk about some of that stuff um, as we get into the show later. But that is the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcast. Matt, we do this every single day, part of the every Locked day. on Podcast Network. Yeah, and it's fun. Let's talk about some hoops. Shooty hoops. Um, Popping will. Did you feel any better watching? I don't know if you watched, or I'm sure you just saw, or at least saw um, number nine Penn State go into Indiana, get down twenty, come all the way back, and then run out of gas and lose by like seven. Did you feel any better about that? Like seeing that, did you like okay? Everyone, it's happening to everyone. I don't know if betters the, the term, but it is comforting to know that we do have yeah. brothers in arms uh, <laughs> of teams going into Bloomington, ranked, <laughs> digging themselves a big old hole, climbing back, and then just yeah. farting away at the end there. Like, uh, I, so yeah, I, I guess it's nice to have solidarity. Who doesn't? Misery loves company, right? Will, yeah, so yeah. I guess it was fine. I just I want to keep reemphasizing this. Um, yeah, the Michigan State basketball team this year is flawed. They're not as good as we thought they should be or were going to be. Um, but in a normal year where there's four, five, six teams in the Big Ten that are beatable, that are lacking, that are certainly not tournament teams, um, in a year like that, this team is like four conference losses, three conference losses, and is probably getting some confidence builders thrown in there and not having any stretch losing four or five like they did. Um, you know, capped off by the Maryland game there. It's just like, a, it, we keep getting um, reminded just how crazy deep the top 12 teams in the Big Ten are. It's like tw- the top 12 teams in the Big Ten, the worst one in adjusted efficiency in Ken Palm, the worst one is number 36, Indiana. The worst one of the top 12 teams. That's insane, Matt. And that's coming from the start of the season where everyone thought, oh, yeah, there's going to be you know, mm-hmm. three, four teams. It'll be. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a complete dogfight. Mm-hmm. Top to bottom. Minus, well, Nebraska. <laughs> the bottom. <laughs> minus yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, like we just keep getting reminded of that. Maryland loses to Ohio State yeah. um, on the road by seven. And mm-hmm. now Maryland is, you know, Michigan State's the top team in Ken Palm. They're number eight. And adjusted efficiency in the Big Ten or in the in the country, number one in the Big Ten. Maryland is this is crazy. Michigan State is eighth, Maryland's ten, Michigan's eleven, Ohio State is twelve, Penn State slipped to twenty, Iowa mm. twenty-two, like it Purdue's twenty-five, Wisconsin, Illinois, twenty-seven, twenty-eight. It is just freaking loaded. And this conference race, like if oh, if Michigan State just beat Maryland, if they just won one of those games. 
Close loss to Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan. If they just win one of those games, Matt. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. (sighs) We are looking. There's a, what is it, four-way tie for second place right now at 10 and 6? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Maryland's 12 and 4. Everyone else is 10 and 6. Yep. (laughs) Michigan State, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin. Uh, ten and six. Illinois, if they beat Nebraska, um, will also be ten and six. And Michigan sitting there at nine and seven, like, <laughs> is yeah. insane what this conference is doing. Um, and yeah, if Maryland has one more loss, Michigan State has one last loss. Like, we're looking at the most epic end of the Big Ten because this is Maryland's closing schedule at Minnesota, home Michigan State, at Rutgers, home Michigan. They could win all those games. They could lose all those games. Yeah. <laughs> That's and that goes for every Big Ten team yes. and their last four games too. Yes, and Michigan State has like the same thing. Um, I think Michigan, no, Michigan has Nebraska in there at home, so Michigan's got one good one, but they okay. got to go to Ohio State and to Maryland. Good luck doing that. Penn State, um, let's see, gets Northwestern, but on the road, then the Michigan State, Iowa road, Rutgers home. Like nobody has it easy. It's insane, and it would be amazing. It would be amazing if Maryland just had one more loss. <laughs> This must be a lot of fun for fans of college basketball on the outside looking in with no emotional attachment to any team whatsoever. This has got to be a blast. It's kind of like probably how we look at the Big East. Like the the Big East looks like a a complete blast, but at half the scale of what the Big Ten is. Yeah, they got five teams, six teams that, you know, all beat the hell out of each other. Whereas, like you said, the Big Ten has 10, 11, 12 teams that do that. Yeah. It's, so how much how much fun is that for everyone else in college basketball that doesn't have a dog in the fight? Man, I'm I'm jealous of them. Yeah, if you're a, if John Rothstein is just oh, covering please. himself in hot wax watching mm-hmm. Big Ten games, just absolutely, and I'm loving blame. it. And I don't blame sh- him. And just screaming hell in a cell. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's his fever dream. It is his fever dream. Um. Yeah. So, oh, I also wanted to, and this will actually lead into what we're going to talk about next. Um, Gonzaga lost, Matt, by a healthy amount. And yeah. did San Diego, I, I didn't dream this. San Diego State also took a, a big Diego, old L. San Diego State lost to UNLV at home, uh, the one hundred fourth ranked team. So basically, they lost to Northwestern. Tough. <laughs> and Tough. then, of course, Kansas beats Baylor. Um, it's a it was a wild weekend in college basketball. I'm actually glad Michigan State got to crush Nebraska and then sit out the rest of it. Yeah, just post up and just, just watch it yeah, the world burn. Not, yeah, yeah, that's it's, fine. On Saturday, one three or one two and four all in the AP poll lost. Um, so that was eventful, but yeah, um, that leads perfectly into what we are going to talk about next, which is where this Michigan State fe- team fits in in the national picture and how they compare to uh, previous. Michigan State team. So we'll do that here in just a second. All right, Matt, one of your cohorts over at the Only Colors. I want to mm-hmm. make sure. I just know him as Dr. Green and White. Uh, Paul Fanson. Paul Fanson. Paul yep. Fanson. Dr. Green and White, um, a mathematician, professional mathematician. Oh, yeah. um, does a ton, a ton of advanced numbers stuff for you guys at the Only Colors. Uh, really good stuff if you're into analytics or want to learn more about it he does a good job kind of simplifying stuff um Mm -hmm. and and good graphs and scatter plots which are always easy to read and and fun to look at but he did a real long piece on the only colors just about how this michigan state team stacks up to previous teams uh in the Izzo era and all these different metrics and we're not going to go through them all but i just want to do two things here 
Fair I want to look at, I want to, he's scattered out uh, all the Michigan State teams under under Izzo, and they fall into four groups. So we're going to go through those four groups, and then we're going to look at the national picture as it relates to that, okay? Okay. So there's four groups, and I'll go quickly. There's balanced, like just good and balanced. There's good defense, good offense, and quote-unquote bad, okay? Those are the cool. four groups. And bad is just, uh, you know, 1997, non-tournament team, 2002, 4, 6, 11, and 2017, right? Mm-hmm. All those things make sense. And he has where they put or where they went out in the NCAA tournament, and those are all first or second round teams. In the balance category, we have the 2000 team, 1999, 2001, and 2019, three Final Four teams and national championship team. Those are obviously the good teams. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Even a dummy like me can understand that on the (laughs) scatter plot. So this is where it gets interesting. There's good defense and good offense. So teams that are good overall um, and fit into a a profile of like, hey, this is a really good team, but like not balanced, like overwhelmingly good at defense. So on good offense, the uh, the one that sticks out is the 2016 team. Mm -hmm. We know what happened there. Um, but 2014, no yeah, 2014 is there as well. 2018, 2005, 2015, 2008. So within that group, you've got two Final Four teams, 2015 and 2005. You've got an Elite Eight team. You got a Sweet 16 team. You got a Round of 32 team, and then you have 2016. So a good mix there. Yep. Then on good defense, we got a lot of teams: 98, uh, 2010, 2007, 2012, 2009, 2003. And this year's team. Mm-hmm. So those teams, I would say a variety of results as well, but a little bit better. you got the championship game team, final four team, an elite eight team, and then everyone else is sweet 16 except for 2007 was round of 32. So that's where this team sort of fits in, right smack dab in the middle of those teams. So just because I think it's a good visualization uh, of just because it's been kind of a struggle so far this year, a team with this kind of profile, and they're really their closest, second closest to the championship game team, 2009, uh, in terms of like profile, like just because they kind of have been slugging through this empirically on offense and defense, they they look like a team that very reasonably could make a Final Four. Every time I'm drawn away, I get pulled back by these fancy stats. So, fancy yes, stats. I would say so as well. Yeah, just like they're better than the 2010 team that made the Final Four. They're not quite as good as the 2009 team. They're better than the Elite Eight team in 2003. They're not as good as 2012 or 13. Those were really good teams that just didn't get it done in the tournament. Right. Um but they are right in there, in, in the thick of things. And then this is where it gets really interesting to me. If you look at a scatter plot of all the national championship teams, Michigan State, this Michigan State team is better than a couple of teams that have won recent national championships. Uh, Syracuse in 2003 and Connecticut in 2014. And the Connecticut team and the Connecticut team in 2011. Um, and Florida 2006, kind of right in there. So... Mm-hmm. What do those years have in common, Matt? Do you like if you could remember something about those seasons and those national championship teams? Kind of what is what is a something that stitches them together? What's the thread? It's not the shooting, is it? It's not that easy. It's not that easy. Um, okay, I was afraid not. Think think more macro, broader picture. Those specific seasons, not those teams, those years. 
What was about those years that might stick out? Was it the wide openness of college basketball, Will? Matt, it was the wide openness of college basketball. Yeah, God, I was afraid so. Here, yep, hopes are all the way back up. Wow, just clean <laughs> off of a weekend of no MSU loss. They just smacked around Nebraska. Fancy stats are back in play. <laughs> just um, pour me that Kool Aid as we head into the yeah. home stretch. Will just fill me up. So I wanna, I wanna. I know it's a lot of numbers, but this is. I'm, gonna, is. I'm gonna hammer it home here. You ready? Make this easy for me, Will. I'm not that smart of a person. Okay. Do this. The best team in 2003. Mm-hmm. was Kentucky, their adjusted efficiency margin, so the score they would beat an average team in an average game and an average location is 29.18, okay? Okay. So the best team was 29.18 points better than the average team. 2006, Impressive. Florida was the best team. Theirs was 28. 2011 is a little bit of an exception because you got Ohio State that was really great that year. Oh, yeah. But they lost a little early. The next closest team behind them was 28. And this year, similar. we got Kansas at 31, but Baylor's the next team at 27. Now, what does that mean, Matt? Uh, Kansas is your national champions for the 2019-2020 season. Very well could be. Last year, there were, <laughs> best year, last year, there were five teams with numbers 30 or higher. And, and that efficiency. is just bananas to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, year be- <laughs> the year before that, you had Villanova at almost 34, and Virginia was just under 30. Gotcha. 2017, Gonzaga and Villanova, 32 and 30. Like I, I hope you're getting the point here. Villanova was a 32 the year before that. The year before yeah. that, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Duke, Arizona, Villanova, Virginia, all above 30. We've talked about it mm-hmm. at length, and you fired off a tweet. Yep. And I clap back. <laughs> sure. As, as you do. As we yes. do. K- Kansas might be the exception to this, but beyond Kansas, and I'm not sold on them yet because I worry about their offense a little bit because it relies so much on a seven-foot dude who is a... Uh, C- complete monster. Yeah, he is, but it's I'm not super like ready to rely on Azubuki. If he was like a point guard. Oh, I think I am. If he was a point guard, I'd be like, yeah, but like that dude can get tired. He can fall out. He can get taken out of games. Um, but yes, he's a monster. But Kansas is really good. But behind Kansas, it's a damn free-for-all, Matt. Like, it is. Baylor's number two at 27. Michigan State's number eight at 22. Like there's not that big of a gap there and if you go through just all of college basketball like i just ripped through a handful of years um 2013 there's two teams above 30 and indiana was almost a 30 as well like every single year there are multiple teams not every single year but most years there are multiple teams that are head and shoulders like yep these are freaking awesome teams yeah and there's usually like a a sizable gap this year there's not there's a team that's pretty good kansas is really good they're not Duke of last year. They're not Virginia of last year. They're not Michigan State of last year. Um, they're not, you know, I'm just picking random years. They're not Kentucky of 2015, right? The team that only lost once. Like that team. It's tough to beat. Yeah. yeah. That team doesn't exist this year. And all the years, in three of these four years, Syracuse in 03, Connecticut in 14, Florida in 2006, Connecticut in 2011. The teams that profile most closely with this Michigan State teams in terms of Adjusted efficiency margin 
all of those years, three or excuse me, three or four of those years, it was a wide open tournament. There wasn't a dominant team. This year, I think it's totally up for grabs in college basketball. Kansas could ruin everything, but like even Baylor, Baylor's really good. They have the number 21 offense. Michigan State's offense is better than Baylor's. And we look at the Michigan State offense and go, really? Yeah, really. No, I'm shocked to hear that, actually. They're better than Baylor on offense. And Gonzaga, number one offense. They're 34th on defense. 34th. And that's that's crazy because every player in that team is an athletic seven-foot-tall person. Yeah. Like, how's that possible? Yeah. West West Virginia is number seven. They have the number two defense, Matt. They have the number 73 offense. My kind of team. Yeah. Like my kind of team, <laughs> they're going to have trouble in Mar- like if they have an off shooting night, they're going to lose 62 to 60. That's what happens. Yeah. Shame. And so there's just not like it's Kansas. And then like Duke's pretty good. San Diego state's actually pretty good after that. Yeah, I refuse to believe that, <laughs> but anyway, go on. But just in terms of like balance, both sides of the ball, good offense, good defense. It's Kansas. It's Duke and San Diego state. And then it's, like Michigan State's like the next team that is like quality balance on both sides of the ball. You can throw Baylor in there as well. It's like it's not it's it's wide open. Yeah, very, yes. Yeah, I don't like BYU, number four offense, number seventy nine defense. <laughs> There's a lot of those teams like that. Dayton, number two offense, number fifty seven on defense. All these good teams have glaring weaknesses. This is going to be a stressful, stressful March Madness. To sum all this up, because I know I threw a lot of numbers out there. I'm dizzy, yes. The top end of college basketball this season compares very closely to the top end of college basketball in years where we've had kind of, not surprise, but a little bit lesser regarded national champions. Yeah. Still got to be good to win the title. It's not about just getting hot. Like even that UConn team that got hot, they were still pretty good. Like, yeah, they got it rolling at the right time, but they were still good throughout the season. Mm -hmm. That was the year that like the Big East was a bloodbath, kind of like the Big Ten is today. Yes, yes, yep, yeah. Um, I'll I'll look it up right now. They friggin' yeah. Oh, no, it was the American. No, this all messed up now. Oh, it was the American, but it's still. Oh, it was. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's weird. Anyway, oh, but yeah, Louisville was in the American. <laughs> Got it. Why? I don't know. College yeah, basketball not? was weird. Why not? We really did go through a, quite the journey with <laughs> yeah, conferences the, and All the realignment. I'm so glad we stopped doing that. Anyway, they, they did. They lost too many games that year, and they were a seven seed, but they were the 15th best team in adjusted efficiency. So, like, they were underseeded. Yeah. Because they lost to Houston. That's, that's the thing. I, this is the thing I want everyone to take away is that as long as Kansas doesn't muck it up, because Kansas could. Kansas could run away with this sucker. They're the best team by a decent margin, but not a huge margin. And they're, compared to the great teams of yesteryear, mm-hmm. they're not that good. They're good. They're not as good as, like I said, Virginia last year, even Gonzaga last year, uh, that Kentucky team, Villanova, whatever. Like They're good. They're not that good. And behind them... It's a damn bloodbath. And I'm, I was going to say I'm ready for it, but no, I don't think I'm ready for it. I'm a little more prepared for it, though. They got a shot, Matt. I would give them like, I know they do. I know. I would honestly give them like the fifth best chance to win it all. 
that's that's fine with me i'll, I'll take a top five like something yeah. like that like they're going to be a five seed or a four seed but i would give them like the fifth best chance especially if they can get um oh god it's a 2013 14 season all over again isn't it if four they, seed everyone picks them to go to the final <laughs> four and it gets so close and then well bam heart ripped right out of your chest yeah, they're gonna get baylor as their one seed and beat them like 62 to 60 in a grinded out thing and then they're gonna Excellent. lose to freaking seton hall hook it into me (laughs) all right let's pause here for a sec we'll come back and talk about some football things um cruton Cruton. and, and other interesting football tidbits okay matt will mel tucker has been busy he has every time i am on the wonderful twitter.com i see at least three new kids offered um (laughs) Across all four time zones of the United States yeah. and any year between 2021 to 2022. I don't think I've seen a 23 offer yet. Not yet. But I could be wrong, uh, and it'd be foolish to think that it is out of reason to, to think that it will be coming soon. What, uh, what's what been the number one thing you've noticed? Like your number one takeaway of how this is different from, say, if Mark Antonio was still in charge of the offers? I, I think it goes back to just the wide array yeah. of locations and obviously there's something to do with he has ties in georgia mm-hmm. that helps sec ties uh he was just recruiting kids for colorado mm-hmm. it's not a california. mystery as to why he's offering kids from california area um that has something to do with it so that's one thing that sticks out but again that's just because of where he's been uh also i gotta say I, we got like what five quarterbacks offered <laughs> four four okay four quarterbacks offered and all are i believe Check me on this. I believe all are dual threat. All, are, all of them are dual threat. Yeah. Yep. Which makes sense. I mean, we talked about the Jay Johnson offense and how RPO is a big thing. Quarterbacks that can use their leg are very key to that offense. So that's not really a surprise. However, the the fact that he's just dishing these out like hotcakes and he's already got four quarterbacks offered, that's I, I think that's different. I, I could be wrong. I might be looking at it different in revisionist history as to how D'Antonio handled this stuff, but – that's my biggest takeaway so far. So um, here, I'll just look at 2020 offers for Michigan State. Um, actually, we can look at 2021 too. Um, yeah, Michigan State offered seven pro-style quarterbacks last year. Noah Kim is the one they eventually got. They did offer Chubba Purdy as a dual mm-hmm. threat, Evan Prater, who went to Cincinnati, and a couple other guys. Um, but mainly pro-style players. Um if we look at the 2021 offers before D'Antonio left, seven pro-style quarterbacks on the offer list, all of which were D'Antonio offers, and then six dual threats, uh, four of which <laughs> belong to Mr. Mel Tucker in the last handful of days. I would say there's a trend there. Um, yeah, so the, the quarterback recruiting has been like, yeah, it's mostly all over the place, but um, you know, Texas, California, California, and Texas. Mm-hmm. Those are the four kids yeah. he Mel Tucker's offered two Texas quarterbacks, two Florida or two California quarterbacks. That's that's certainly noticeable um and notable like the the wide net that he is going to be casting here. Michigan State's got the Georgia is the number 1 state for offers for Michigan State right now. Wow, okay. Yeah. He's offered 20 Georgia or they've offered 20 Georgia players, 17 Michigan, 17 Ohio. Uh, now 11 for Texas, which is going to be ticking up. Yeah, that's the one thing that I really noticed is he offered like a 6'8 lineman, one from Michigan, but then another one from 
wherever the heck he was. I think Chicago, I want to say. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, I think Michigan State is going to be, and they're not going to get all of them. They're not going to, you know, they're going to be getting in battles with, they're going to get in battles with teams that are over their head and they're not going to get kids. But they're going to pull higher level recruits, I think, out of Texas, out of Georgia, out of California, out of these different states that, yeah, they'll occasionally, they've gone into Texas recently and they'll pull a three-star kid out of Texas, right? Someone who mm-hmm. maybe has uh, a Baylor offer, TCU offer, and you get them to Michigan State. Um, like a Josh Butler, right? Yeah, like a Josh Butler. They did get Darius Snow over Texas and that was a yep. you know, legacy and that changes things. Same with mm-hmm. Georgia. They, they're never, they were never going to get a kid with a Georgia offer that was like, yeah, he's he's down to Michigan State or Georgia. He's a high four star. Georgia was really after him. Oh, he chose Michigan State. They never got into those games. They would get lower level players from Georgia and Florida or whatever state. Mm. I think they're going to start getting into some of these battles with kids who are top two hundred, top three hundred prospects that are considering Michigan State as well as their local school. Um, their local big school as opposed to the kids that sort of are like, well, the big school doesn't want them. So they're considering moving out of state. I think they're going to start getting into these, these fights. It looks like. Yeah. And this is the first time actually that I've been, I guess excited is a word to use for lack of a better term, just about offers. I mean, I know people will get jazzed about offers like, Oh, they offered this kid. Well, yeah, he's also got 60 other schools (laughs) barking at him, you know, but with it being a new coaching staff for once like offers mean something because you get to look at it and kind of take a peek as to what the new strategy for recruiting is yeah and it's just everything we lay it out like so it's not the excitement around like oh wow this kid got an offer we might get him like i know in the grand scheme of things any offer you throw out there it's still probably not a big percentage just because there's so many schools going after the same kid that i'd just say at baseline, you maybe have a 5-10% chance of getting this kid anyway. However, just knowing that we are taking a peek at Mel Tucker's game plan, offering kids two years in advance, mm-hmm. offering kids from you know California. I, and I don't know if that's going to continue in you know the upcoming years since he has left Colorado. I think it would. But Texas honestly. will always be there. I, I, I can see it too because those ties do last, I guess. Yeah. I guess obviously, Texas would last a while. No question about that. Georgia is going to last a while, especially if he's got twenty kids offered from that state already. Well, he it just and, like Michigan State from D'Antonio and him combined. Uh, oh, I see. Gotcha. Kids. Yeah, but you can still see the prototype of player he's going after too. Giant lineman. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, dual threat quarterbacks. That's a good idea. Yeah. And who knows what else we're going to find out later on as he keeps offering these kids. But yeah, that, that's that's where my excitement comes from. It's not just. You know, put, having a giant board of kids' names and being like, oh, yeah, this would be an awesome kid, this would be an awesome kid. Like, <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> it's it's more of like a macro thing, like, okay, this is a strategy, and this is kind of exciting because when's the last time we've had buzz and excitement around MSU football recruiting? Yeah. Probably not really a ton since that 2016, 2016. class. Yeah, I think yeah. you know, recruiting is we got our plan A, plan B, plan C, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of realistic plan a kids for michigan state under d'antonio there were plenty of really good prospects there um but there were also like you know kids who are like "Eh, maybe he can get an ohio state offer ohio state offered but he's you know he's the number four receiver number five receiver in their class he's not going to go there because he'll be buried behind two five stars and he's in the michigan state plan a i think michigan state's plan a now 
will be like a step above that. Like they're not going to be fighting with Ohio State all the time and beating Alabama and recruiting battles. Not that's silly to expect that. It takes years to build that. Clemson did it perfectly if you want to go look at their recruiting rankings and see how it built. Yeah. But they're going to have to and I think they're going to try to take a step up from where they were to where they're getting kids who have competitive high-end offers and they're going to miss a ton, but they're going to be able to hit on some of those kids and get them into Michigan State. And that's what ends up taking, like when you're plan A kids, when you're able to land more better plan A kids, you know, that that is what gets you from a team that consistently recruits 25 to 35 to 15 to 25, right? And that's the sort of first step you got to make. You're not going to pull a top five class at Michigan State uh, until you start stacking together you know, double-digit win seasons, and that's part of why what happened <laughs> with recruiting or what didn't happen with recruiting under D'Antonio became so frustrating is that you go to the Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, and playoff, and all you have to show for it is the number 17 class. Like, it's not wild that Mel Tucker's first full class could end up just as highly ranked as that class. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the step you got to take, and then you build on that, you get consistently top 20-ish classes, then you get top 15, then maybe one year you break into the top 10 because you've had a couple good seasons in a row and you made it to the playoff or whatever and you get the number eight class and then you're off and running. And so that... Worked for Clemson. Yeah, yeah. it worked for Clemson and and it's worked. It just works. (laughs) Um, But it takes time and you have to win and Michigan State did that under D'Antonio but never took those steps in recruiting. Um, And just based off the recruiting prowess of Mel Tucker and what the uh, sort of MO has been so far, the type of players he's been offering and coaches he's brought on the and the coaches he brought in on the staff. You would think like, dude, they talk about recruiting more than anyone has ever talked about recruiting associated with Michigan state football. I know you've noticed that. Oh, a thousand percent. I've heard more about recruiting in the last two weeks than I have in the previous 10 years combined. Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Every second line and every coach hired is he's a great recruiter. <laughs> and I, and that's what like and that's what Coach O does. I know we're making a lot of crazy uh, comparisons right now. You yeah, know, comparing MSU to Clemson, but this is like these are just like the best the, case scenario. The, the best case scenario, best examples, whatever. But Coach O does it all the time. When's the last Coach O press conference that he's had where he hasn't brought up recruiting yeah. in one way or another? It's just it's 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 not this unspeakable thing. No, you got to talk about it. It's it's out there, and there's no problem with Mel Tucker talking about it. There's no problem with him going for more home runs. Even if that means a lot more strikeouts, it's almost yeah. like how they do it in modern day baseball yes, analytics. I know that's a crazy <laughs> comparison to make. It, no, it's it's and it, spot it does on. not make sense if you don't follow baseball. But that is what I liken it to. Take big Antonio hacks. hit a lot of singles. He hit a lot of good gap doubles. But now in this day and age, just just swing for the fences. Yep. And they, yeah, you might strike out a hundred times, but dang it, if you hit ten home runs, you're popping, my friend. Yeah, you are. Gucci. That's that's ex- that's a perfect way to put it. Instead of hitting doubles and occasionally hitting a triple and once every five years hitting a home run or like hitting a gap Just shot and tr- juice up and crank for the fences. Yeah, Let's go, baby. they're hitting gap shots or hit it in the corner down the line and trying to race out a triple or trying to leg out an inside the park home run like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is an inside the park home run in this metaphor. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah, of doing that, Mel Tucker's going up there with a corked bat and just putting everything into every single swing he has. And yep. that's syringe hanging out of his ass as he's approaching the batter's box. Yeah, just unapologetic about it. And that's and honestly, if Dabo Sweeney, if we bring him into this picture, Dabo mm-hmm. is just covered in pine tar. 
He yeah. is roided out of his mind, and he's using an <laughs> aluminum bat uh, against a pitching machine. Like that's right. that's what he's gotten to. Like that's the swings and the cuts he's able to take now because he started with the corked bat, just trying to hit some home runs. You hit a couple home runs, and you you land Deshaun Watson, and all of a sudden your program's changed. Like it's 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 a simple path, hard to do, but it's a simple path. Let's give it a shot. And he also has to stay for more than two years. That would help. Yes. <laughs> Which is like, I'm not trusting him yet. I will trust him after two years pass. I will trust him after five years pass if they make the playoff and like he signs a there mega deal. <laughs> yeah. Then it, when he gets seven million a year, then we're like, all right, I will breathe easy. Right. Although, did you see Colorado? You're welcome. We should. Someone should write an article. Um and we're way long on time, but I don't care. Um, yeah. All the stuff that's been written about how awful Mel Tucker did Colorado and how bad you know he screwed them over. Um, he just increased their salary pool by almost a million dollars for assistant coaches and got their new assistant coach half a million dollars more per year than he was making his last year there. You're welcome, Colorado. We taught you how to spend money. He's here for the people. He's here for everyone. He's, he's here for his, his family, his assistant coaches. And really, assistant coaches everywhere. Yeah, he, he it's beautiful. Screwed them so bad that he gave his next predecessor a lot more hiring power than he had. So uh, he's for the people. Yeah. he's for the people. Someone should. Uh, is Mel Tucker a union leader? Is, is that <laughs> that's what we're essentially what he is now? Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, he's he's doing it for the for the family. It's like oh, I make money, so you make money. So good for him. You're Whoa. you're welcome, Colorado football. Welcome to um, the lower middle class of college football. Instead of lower class, you're now lower middle class. Look at you guys go. You did it. Look at you. You're paying your shout out to shout out to West Coast Illinois right now. You are paying One your coach more than three million dollars. You did it. All right. Actually, no. Illinois is a bad comparison. Lovey makes like fifteen million a year. <laughs> Lovey makes that, five. That, that, that was a bad comparison. Lovey I, makes I, five. What an insane. I know, it's like, yeah, you can't hire. <laughs> Michigan State couldn't realistically hire a coach and pay him less than Lovey Smith. That's a bad look. That correct. Yeah, especially after the year Jeff Brom's also hauling in. What is it? Five and a half million. No, or something. Jeff Brom like had that. like six point seven because he had the signing yeah, bonus, the front end stuff. It's front loaded. He'll make oh, yeah. That's... He'll make like four point two the rest of the way. Hey, 6.7, though, still sings. Oh, it does. It sings. Um, and, yeah, Darian Harris, super pumped about that. That was awesome. Oh, I wasn't – I was, like, optimistic. Like, somebody around the program will see, like, Trestle or whatever. Someone would be like, hey, maybe, you know, do you want to interview with Darian Harris? He was great. We love him. Spartan leader. Anything you could ever want. Do you want to meet him and see if he might be ready for – you know, might be right for something? I was like, eh, that'd be cool if it happened. Long shot still. And bang, Friday, yeah. Darian Harris, director of player engagement. Perfect, perfect role for him. He's going to crush it. Um, and yeah, it happened not days after he came on the podcast. So we did it. It was great. Yeah, I have no idea what a, a director of player engagement does, but it sounds like Mentorship. he's going to be doing a lot of engaging with players. He's going to be engaging and with players. Yep. What a better guy to talk to your players day in and day out than Darian Harris. Yeah, so, you, you couldn't, bad. you literally probably couldn't find a better person suited for that type of role um than that dude so yeah, yeah that was cool to see and yeah getting ted gilmore from wisconsin money talks that was nice that was nice money talks nice to pull away probably their best offensive position coach uh in their passing game coordinator to coach tight ends uh and recruit yeah. he's by all accounts a ace recruiter and awesome at coaching 
players how to catch footballs, which Michigan State needs some help with. Catching the football helps in football. Yeah, it's, under undervalued uh, talent. <laughs> it's an undervalued asset. So um, we should talk more about Mel Tucker's staff. we got to preview MSU-Iowa tomorrow. But I do want to talk about this staff because it's really coming together. We're like 8 of 11, I think, have been hired. Um, and we'll see how the rest of the staff fills out. I would think by this week it'll all be set. Um, mm-hmm. But we should talk about it because it's a pretty damn good staff, Matt. So far, so good. Yeah. yeah, so far, so good. Like, there's like one hire where you're like, well, it's kind of like a five out of 10, but everything else you're like, this is good. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do that later in the week at some point. Tomorrow, we'll be back uh, talking about Michigan State, Iowa. That's tomorrow night, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. At seven o'clock, ESPN2. I'm just a little scared. A little scared. Fantastic. All right. uh, it's going to yeah. be a nightmare because Iowa, holy crap, can they score the basketball? Number five offense in the country, and they play fast. It's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, but it's also Iowa at Breslin Center, so we got that. Going also, first, Iowa at Breslin Center, and Fran will turn into a tomato. It's going to be great. Before the jump all <laughs> even happens. Yep, That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Spartans. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about probably mostly Michigan State, Iowa. If, if any news happens here during the day Monday, um, then we'll certainly get to that as well, coaching hires or, or something along those lines. And we'll continue with uh, football talk throughout the week. And then we got a big one on Saturday in the basketball world. So big week of shows here on Locked on Spartans as we are freaking gearing towards March. You know what we're going to do this week, Matt? Cry a lot. It's time to actually start looking at brackets. <laughs> oh, like I wasn't doing that mid-recording just now. Oh, I, I could sense that you were. Um, yeah, we're gonna start you, talking you can, about. You brackets. can hear my, my heavy breathing. You can <laughs> feel my pulse rising. We are gonna start talking about brackets probably like Thursday or something this week when we have a day where it's kind of in between uh, events. So yeah, I, I think it's end of February. It's time to start looking at brackets. So that's that's what we're doing this week. Big week of shows. Uh, Like I said, rate, review, subscribe. You can find Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to us today. Matt, take us home. Let's have a great week, everyone. Let's just try our best. All right, go green.